Welcome back to another episode of The Authors Unite Show. Here's your host, Tyler Wagner. All right, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of The Authors United Show. Today, I got Emmy Tarek with us. So welcome to the show, man. Thank you so much, buddy. Looking forward to it. Uh, of course. Grateful to have you on. So um, start us off. Just tell us a little bit more about you and what you do. So as um, you said, my name is Jimmy Tarek. I am number one best-selling author, well, multiple number one best-selling author. I won several companies. That my one that everyone knows about is Webmetrics Group. That's where I put the face of um, my personal brand to. And that's an SEO and reputation management and PR agency. And then on the back end, I have other companies that I own locally in Miami and other places in the, in the United States. Oh, fantastic. Okay, so you're also, um, where are your companies at in Miami? So it's in um, downtown. Oh, cool. Okay. We're a lot of downtown, let's just say. Nice. I, I have an office up in Aventura. Oh, okay. I know where you are. Yeah. Yeah. Nice, man. All right. Well, cool to connect with a, with a local. Um, so uh, let, let's start with the books because that's even more so with our, um, with our audience. And then, and then I'd actually love to dive into SEO because I know a lot of our authors are inst- interested in that too. So first of all, multiple best-selling author. How many books have you written? I've written two. Two. Okay. Um, let's start with the first one. Uh, what, what was it about? Um, so both are about marketing. The first one was more around um, basic SEO, Google AdWords, the whole thing across the footprint. Because what I call it is a digital footprint, and your digital footprint is the bigger the footprint is, like if you put it in the sand, the more impact you're going to have and more leads you're going to get. Gotcha. Okay. And uh, I'm curious, like, what was your process for, um, f- for writing the first book? Like, did you have like a, a plan set up where you're going to write every morning or some days you wrote more than others? Like, how did that all pan out for you? So what I did is I knocked it out in two weeks. I was like, I'm getting yeah. done. I hate writing personally. So, and I was like, I came up with a second strategy later, which is way smarter. And I'll tell about the second book. Um, for example, my wife, she's a phenomenal writer. For me, I wasn't. So I was like, I need to knock this out, especially since I'm busy. So what I did is I mapped out the book using something called the escape and arrival framework, as I call it. Everybody, in my own personal belief, wants to escape from something and arrive somewhere. And if you just break these things down to where you want to go, from where, from where you are to where you want to go, you do the same thing with books. You cut the chapters. So I want to teach people about the Google AdWords, the Facebook ads, the SEO, and I break each part down to the processes a bit. And I write down this basically the chapter what's going to be about. And I just put down three to five key points for each chapter. And then I'd knock it out and create the book and write each chapter one a day until it's done. Got it. I love it. So two weeks, man. That's incredible. Um, now, uh, to hit bestseller for them both, can you talk us a little bit behind the scenes of how you ran those campaigns? So for the bestseller, what I did for this one is basically I contacted all my friends who have massive lists. And then one of my friends had a million people on the Zemo list. And basically, I just put the book at um, $1, and I just ran on the Kindle version, and I just run the traffic and let it go. And then I also had called up a few friends and said, look, can you leave reviews as well? And of course, I um, compensated them and helped them back out for, on their books, because they were authors as well. Banging enough reviews, man, yeah. I actually got number one in the advertising category on Amazon. Oh, fantastic. So it wasn't um, like very small little weird categories. I actually got on the big categories. Oh yeah, yeah, no, for sure, man. That's awesome. Yeah, advertising is a great category. Um, okay, 
Now, uh, let's dive in a little bit to, to the SEO. So <clears throat> as far as SEO is concerned, I think one of the hardest parts for people is one, uh, I mean, I think it's pretty complex to a lot of people. And two, it seems to me that Google's like always changing its, um, uh, you know, what's important to it. So at least right now in this present moment, um, how would somebody rank on SEO? Like what steps would you uh, run them through? Okay, so actually it's funny. In since I wrote that book for two years ago, it's only now but I actually done anything different and changed the way I build my links. But the rest of the SEO what I've done has not changed since 2017. Right? I think a lot of people get so obsessed with every update with Google, but they're trying to change and they do tactics. Like they're doing their business as well. They do tactics, they don't do strategy. And as I don't know if I'm called a mentor of mine earlier and said 2020 is this year that everyone is going complex. They're really making their life way more complicated than it needs to be. I do the bare minimum and I outrank everybody because if you look at the 80-20 rule, the 80-20 rule isn't resulting from 20% of the effort. Well, that is also half to it because you can have to go a step further. 80-20 squared or 80-20 cubed, meaning 64% of the results can come from 4% or 50% of the results from 1%. Mm-hmm. So what I've done is, after 200 algorithms, I was like, if I think about how does Google make their money, or any advertising platform, not just Google, Facebook, Pinterest, YouTube, and YouTube is owned by Google, um, Snapchat, all of it. These guys sell data in order to make their money, and advertisers use that, that data to sell, um, put their products in front of other people. So with that in mind, for them to be able to get data, and for many people to use that platform, when people use that platform, it has to be three things that have to be answered, or four things actually. The four things that have to be answered is this. I go on that platform, does it solve the user intent of what they wanted to get from that platform? So for social media, we go normally for distraction. If we go to somewhere like search engines like Google or Bing, we are going for to find the problem solved. YouTube, we're either going to get problems solved or we're going to go and have entertainment on there for videos. So it's about solving their intent. Then the next point is experience. I don't care how good your information is. If your website takes ages to load, you're gonna leave. Especially since we are a mobile dominant society, predominantly. And we're using the 4G, 5G data, and websites, for example, take like a minute to load, you're not gonna be on there. Or if it's very hard to find your stuff, even though you get the best information, no one's gonna to wanna to use it. So the user experience is the second thing. The third thing is trust. And this is what I was going to say about the, what I changed since 2020, um, since 2017. When it comes to trust, anyone can put a website up or put information out. For example, Tyler, you could put an article and, and blogs out and pretend you're a lawyer on a website, even though you've never done law. Legal or not is not the point. The point is anyone can fake anything online. Yeah. With that, Google needs to know to solve the user intent and make sure the information comes from a trusted source, it's a trusted website and trusted brand and it's actually someone legitimate behind it. So now what we're doing is they're grading websites from the EAT system, which is a fancy way to say, we want to see that the information coming from real authors. If it comes from real authors, then we know that it's, the, um, or you the author, then we know that we're good. If not, it's gonna, not going to be a trusted source anymore. And the fourth is what I consider is engagement. If you answer these four algorithms every single time, you will never go wrong. Now, question for you on the third one. How do you, how, how do you kind of like let Google know that you're the one, you know, like how, how do they know? 
Okay, so what I like to do is several things. So for example, the first one is if we look at, um, for example, a book is a great way to get it, right? About a topic. And put an Amazon yeah. angle for books. That's the first way you can do it. It's a really very powerful study. Goodreads as well, actually. The three places when you get your books would be Google Books, Amazon, and Goodreads. Got it. Then what you can also do is when you quit the site, you also want to go to industry trade publications or even to places like Forbes and have articles written about you around that niche in the industry and mentioning you with links coming back to your site. And probably the third and most overlooked um, principle is I like to build a minimum of 300 sets of profiles to my home dom and root domain because I want to own a brand for my name. At the end of the day, if we look at Walmart or Amazon, they have a brand behind them. You need a brand behind it all. Got it. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Now, I'm curious when you, uh, like, what were you doing before you got into SEO? So, before I got into SEO and marketing, I was actually in real estate back in London. I moved to the United States and the UK crashed at the time, so I lost all my funding and I had no credit in the US. I couldn't do real estate. Wow, okay. And I had no well, connections either. What, what was that? So, you, what, you had a bunch of money in real estate in London and then the market crashed? Yeah. Oh man. What, I mean, walk us through that because here's the thing now I can just tell from your energy, like you're working hard, things are going well. So like, what, what was that experience like and how did you pick yourself back up? Okay. So when I moved from London, like when I bought a real estate, my real estate, for example, I bought a deal from 250,000 and went up to a million. Now I got a percentage of that. It wasn't all mine. I had friends who were involved, but basically I made about $5 million net there. And then when I moved, the, the, my, the currency crashed from $1.6 um, for every pound to 1.3 in a space of two weeks. So I lost wow. a lot of money very quickly. Then I had to pay capital gains tax. Then my family stole money from me. And when I came over to the United States, I had nothing. And I sold everything in London. And when I sold everything, I'm like, if I go back, I just don't put the money back into London. I just lost a lot of money. I lost over $40 million there. So I'm like, what's the point of me going back to London? So I was like, okay, I have to find a way to make myself work in the United States. And I had no skills at the time. I didn't understand business at all. I got lucky because I followed my dad who did real estate when he, um, before he died. Um, and I basically, I knew real estate, I had a lot of connections to real estate. So we started from scratch after my dad died because we lost everything when he died pretty much. Mm. So I knew how to recover quickly. When I lost both my parents, I had to recover quickly. I had no one to support me at that point. So it was that hunger and determination. And then at the time I was dating my wife and she moved in with me. I'm like, I need to find a way to figure out how to make money so I can give my wife the life that she deserves. Yeah. And it's just wow. really that determination because I didn't want to fail her. I didn't want to look in the mirror every day and like, I could only give you this life. It's not the life I promised you. And that was what drove me. Mm-hmm. So what, what are some of the key differences that you noticed just like kind of business or and life like wise from like London to um, you know Miami or just US in general? So I hang out mostly between Orlando and Boca even though my company is actually in Miami. Um, okay. So what I realized it depends where you are in the US as well. Like we went to Indiana and it was very weird in Indiana. <laughs> yeah, it's different. Right? So London is very stressful, very busy. It's like um, I would say it's more like New York actually. New York is very stressful as well. The culture is very different and the taxes are ridiculous and the quality of life sucks. In America, I think as long as you went to work hard, the quality of life is way better here. 
There's more opportunity yeah. towards self-development. There's a lot more opportunities in business to make more money. There's a lot more freedom. There's a lot way, more ways to keep your money. In London, the taxes are generally minimum of 50 to 70%. So crazy to me, man. Honestly, the <laughs> that percentage is just nuts to me. <laughs> um, but even like 40%, you know, is that that seems high to me too. But Yeah. Well, I'm going to go this way even, like London. So in Miami, for valet parking, it will cost me maybe $50 for a day. This one in valet in central London, on the most expensive street in central London, it cost me $750 for a day when parking. $750 for a day? Yeah. Oh, my God. Get out of here. I see it. I took my wife, but I didn't know it was that expensive. And I had, we went to a photo shoot for our first date in person there, and we were in London, it's like a $10,000 photo shoot. And then I found out I had to pay $750 for the parking. I, I thought about leaving my car and getting the taxi and they get towed. And then I picked the car up from the towed. I really <laughs> That's honestly probably uh, worth it. I mean, dude, that's, th th these are things, that's just so crazy. That's like not even heard of. Um, oh my God, dude, that's nuts. How do, how do people even survive there? <laughs> that was King's Road, and it's the most expensive road in the whole of London. It's the wealthiest community there. But they, oh, okay. but they also, when you buy the houses there, you get kind of a permit, but everyone else will get screwed over. Okay, so if it's called King Road, so anybody going to London on King Road, park a couple blocks away and then walk over. <laughs> I think that's your best bet. Um, so let me ask you this, with with a lot of things, I know you just recently made a change with your SEO um, kind of tactics, um, at least one part of it, but it's been kind of the same since 2017. What, what do you see coming in the future, like with Google and other search engines? Um, like what's going to happen, especially because now I think, and what I'm kind of getting at here is I watch Gary Vee a lot, right? He's talking about Alexa a lot, like voice. So a lot of things like that. So what's kind of this next big, play that you think we can make that will kind of be ahead of the game the biggest play is to build your brand um personal okay. and company brand at the same time and then day the brand is owns the traffic and the assets at the end of the day i want also to focus on seo i will focus on building social media places like pinterest is a personal favorite of mine you can drive hundreds of thousands of visits a month on pinterest and it's especially good if you're hitting women who are at the age of 35 and over who are making six figures a year or more. Like everybody's obsessed with TikTok right now, with it's all millennials, or other people are obsessed with Instagram. And you've got the small section that are interested in LinkedIn, but no one talks about really about YouTube or Pinterest that much. Now YouTube yeah. is a search engine, right? And people are picking up on YouTube, but they're picking up on LinkedIn. But everyone's got this craze about Instagram and TikTok. No one is touching that like, Pinterest. Yeah, you know what's interesting is I've heard some uh, some of my friends they've been talking about Pinterest recently, and I, I just haven't learned it yet. But they said they've been having some really good results. For for me, LinkedIn has been absolutely huge from a B two B perspective. Like I I'm in love with LinkedIn. It's it's seriously like the root of my business. Um, so I love it. But like you know SEO, I, my team's kind of we just kind of been getting on top of it, trying to figure it all out, and then with um. Uh, Pinterest, I just haven't even had the time to fully dive into it. But wh what are you, what are you kind of doing on Pinterest? Like, what, what are you seeing? I hire, so I know the Pinterest algorithm and how to do it. I don't have the time to run Pinterest. I'm not very, okay. how to put it, graphically um, inclined, right? So I'm, since I'm not very good at graphics, I'm much better at business. So I hire someone who's very, very good at graphics. She does all my graphics for me. I talk to the SEO part and she does it all for me. 
Ah, uh, okay. So, so, so you have a process and then, you know, and that's what you do when you're growing a business is you learn it and then create a process and then hire somebody to fulfill the process. Um, yes. Okay. So, but I guess, cause you said you didn't have the time for Pinterest. So you hired somebody. So what, what exactly, and you know, give us as much as you're willing to tell us, but I'm just curious. Cause as far as I know with Pinterest, it, it just kind of seems like people put up these boards of like inspirational stuff and design and like, I, I don't There's know. So many boards around different parts. Like I got people yeah. who made a lot of money from web design on Pinterest from, from using boards and tracking it that way. It's a, I'm not gonna say I'm the like, number one expert in Pinterest. Like I know SEO way better, but I know yeah. enough to Pinterest to drive and do damage and drive a million business a month from Pinterest. Okay, so uh, let let's let's dive in a little bit more to SEO because I want to ask this selfishly. So. Um, let me just, I'm going to tell you a little bit about my company real quick and then ask you how you think we could rank. Okay. okay. <laughs> uh, I want to, I'll be selfish on this. one. <laughs> so like, it, you know, there's a lot of, we're a book publishing and book marketing company and uh, it's called authors unite. Our website's authorsunite.com. And basically we are the best in the space at marketing books. As far as publishing, I mean, we're very good, but there's a lot of publishers out there. I think, did you self publish? Yes, I did. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, you can self-publish. I mean, you can go to Kindle direct publishing. It's, it's not too hard to like self-publish. Right. But the marketing that we do is um, very extraordinary. So my question to you is like, if we wanted to rank for something like say how to market a book, I think that'd be a good keyword for us to rank. What are the steps that you would do and what are the actions that you would take to have us rank for that? So the very first thing I would do is get yourself 300 social media profiles. You can go to places like Noam, yourbrand.ai, claim your brand name. Once you claim that and you've got these 300 links coming in, that is going to make a big difference because it also helps you defend against negative SEO because your anchor text is going to be nothing but brand name. So yourbrand.ai? Yes. Okay. Right. And then the other thing I really like to do is when I use the anchor text, I use Brand name anchor text only, pretty much, right? I don't really like to do too much on money keywords because I want to put brand. And once that's been done, because it takes about 14 days to get all the social profiles in, I would make a list of all your top competitors. Go to a tool called HOFs. Okay. And with what is the domain rating? What is it? And there's a tool in HREF called Link Intercept. With a Link Intercept, I'll take the top three competitors, put them in with yours, and then just see the common links that they will have that you're lacking. Now, if you've got certain common links that they all have that you're lacking, these are the ones that will build first. Once that's done, you can start going into your competitors' links and start looking for relevant links that have traffic and start building them. Got it. Okay. I like So no matter what, like SEO is not something that's like, it's not really like, cause, and tell me if I'm wrong, but I think like maybe 15, 20 years ago, maybe 10 years ago, there was people that you could kind of do these tricks, right? And like get a bunch of backlinks or something. And I, I don't even know a lot of this terminology. SEO is not my like strong point. So, but you could get all these links and stuff and somehow like kind of game the system, but you can't really do that anymore. So now you like, no matter what, even if I do all this, we have to be putting out really good content and honestly i don't use any content to rank uh, other than that one page generally right it's more about uh, are you getting traffic are you getting real links that are relevant are you have a brand behind you are you the personal brand 
where are your links coming from? For example, a lot of people can go buy links from, say, um, Fiverr, yeah. right? Get those as they call them. These are basically people in India who are doing it for like 50 bucks or 200 bucks. But the thing is, they are authors. For example, I'm going to put it this way. If you had J.K. Rowling come in and she would say, how to market a book with a brand new website, because of who she is and her brand ending of her personal brand, she would immediately rank for that um, term that you would want. Because it's about the authority in the space. Whereas if you go to someone, for example, who's a nobody in India with a fake, a fictitious character, who would write an article on the same website as J.K. Rowling, that's not going to give you the same power, even from the same website as someone like J.K. Rowling. So it's about getting real quality authors with real people who have an authority in the space to write about you. Yeah, that makes sense, man. So <clears throat> I think that's one of the... Now, here's a question for you, because there's a lot of companies out there that will help you get... Um, you know, uh, I, I guess in some way they can help you get featured in these media platforms. So it, let's just say you wanted to get featured in Forbes or something. Is, is, do you have a method for that or how, how do you go about doing that? Yes. So I built a lot of my, my businesses in PR is because of that. But I see at the peak when I was trying it to break the album, I went to Forbes 30 times in eight weeks. The personal pictures to every single person. All right, so you cut out a little bit there. Say that one more time. So when I got into Ford 30 times in eight weeks, what I did is I crafted personal pictures to every single person. Okay, that of like columnists? Yes. Ah, okay. So, yeah, it kind of comes down. It's almost like a numbers game. Um, well, it wasn't a numbers game. Here's the thing. Out of the 30 people that accepted and got me in, I only picked 50 people. Got it. Mm -hmm. And what it was, here's the thing, they, people, this is my PR world as well. They have so much ego behind them. They think that they, everyone owes them more title because they might be an influencer. They might have eight figures in revenue, but yet they actually never barely six figures or seven figures. Right? But they feel entitled because they have a brand behind them. And the thing is, no one gives a shit about you. Is the thing is, everyone's looking at what's in it for me. So when you're trying to pitch your story, it's not really going to be helpful for you to try and get into Forbes. What you should be trying to focus on is, what did the platform want, the publication, and what did the contributors want? How do I add value to that, that contributor's audience and to the um, publication's audience? And if this is a quote or a mention, I get to use the logo as seen on. I get that credibility still, but I also get to now utilize this in a way where it makes sense and mm. help people succeed. And then also, for example, like Forbes and Inc., they pay their writers if they get a certain amount of articles and a certain amount of traffic. So, for example, I become very adept at driving traffic. I can drive over 15 million visits a month to any website. So I drive millions and millions of visits to my contributors who help me out with my PR business. And I send them articles that are high quality. And I make sure it's only mentioned and they get so much traffic from me that they're very, very happy. That's amazing, dude. Dude, I, I love what you're doing, man. It's, it's honestly incredible. So um, really, uh, you know, last question, I, I'm going to, I'll leave it to you. Like, is there anything else you want to share? Um, and then where can people find you? Literally, I, I think everybody listening to this in my audience is interested in, um, in what you do, learning from you, potentially working for, uh, with you. So um, I'll leave it to you. The one thing I'm going to say is, is when, I said two things, actually. The first thing is an entrepreneur, never ever give up. 
the, uh, my favorite book of that is called The Obstacle is Away. I love that book. It literally got me through so many hard enough times. For example, when my dad, so I said my dad died, he's actually assassinated. And it was fucking rough on me. When you want to recover from those type of losses, it takes more than just willpower, right? And you have to find the silver lining and hope in one thing. Like I had a deal last year collapsed for $100 million. On the last day, the day it was about to be signed, it collapsed for $100 million payout to me. That fucking stung as well. Now, I wasn't bad in my dad's assassination, but still, it fucking hurt. It's like, yeah. I worked on that deal for probably about six months, 12 hours a day. Right? And yeah. it stuck. And here's the thing. When you are going through hard times, just where they am saying, but they say the light at the end of the tunnel. I don't want to wait till the light at the end of the tunnel. I will light it up myself. I would like to tunnel up myself. That is the most powerful thing to use is self-reliance as an entrepreneur. Second yeah. thing is form and networking connections. Build connections, personalized connections with people, thinking how can you create a win-win and help them more than anything. At the end of the day, if you're not going to help them, why would anyone help you? Or if you do help them, um, they help you or you help them, and they don't pay it back or you don't pay it back, it's going to hurt the relationship. For example, I had this girl I was going to help her out and she just didn't pay it back, wasn't grateful, and I stopped helping her. I won't help her anymore. I did it because I like your mission. I'm like, as much as I like your mission, is that so far I'm willing to go since you're not grateful and you're not willing to pay it back. I don't like, nobody likes a user. When you're trying to reach out to anybody, whether it's the media, whether it's to get new clients, whether it's to just build relationship, how do you help the other people as well as get back? It's the same with SEO even, the links. You've got to build relationships with these industry publications, publications and everything else. To get links, it's a relationship game at scale. Mm-hmm. And the biggest yeah. deals come from relationships. And the same goes that people do business with people who they know, like, and trust. Um, right? And, and you only get business with people um, who you know. It's who knows you and what you do and how you can help them. No one cares about you. They care about what's in it for them. And when you can get what's in it for them and be transparent with what you want and make it a fair win-win, it's a lot easier to make things happen. I call it the non-negotiables of returns. In business, you create your non-negotiables, and same with your relationships. Business and relationships are almost identical. Non-negotiables, get that out of the way. If you're working on those, everything else can be negotiated upon, and you can give it in on the best even. The main thing is that your non-negotiables are not crossed. Those are your boundaries that matter. Everything else is irrelevant. So many people get obsessed with, like, we have to get the best thing from this and this. No, this is what I need. This is one non-negotiable. Everything else is irrelevant. That's the number one piece of advice that I can give people. Mm. These three things. I love it, man. Well, look, what's what's the website? Okay, the website is webmetricsgroup.com. That's W-E-B-M-E-T-R-I-X group.com. Or you can just find me on LinkedIn, Instagram, or Facebook, and we tell it. Perfect, man. Well, look, thank you again for coming on the show. I, I really appreciate it. I, I know I learned a lot, and I'm sure our uh, audience did too. Thank you so much, buddy. I appreciate it. Unite show is sponsored by AuthorsUnite.com, your one-stop shop for becoming a profitable author and maximizing your impact.